Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast, and as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome to A Million Other Choices. I am, as always, your host, Kim. As I was putting on laundry in the next room and then realizing that I was about to record an episode, I had an epiphany of sorts. I really hope that you guys are here for the story and the way that I tell the story and not the quality of my production. The majority of the time that I spend putting, that I put into these episodes is in the research and the writing. And although I really enjoy the editing process, I mean, you guys know how much I love my intro music. It's, it's extremely nitpicky and it, it's been giving me anxiety actually about the quality of the audio that you're listening to and I, I really have to stop worrying about that so much. Um, this is and will likely always be a very independent and small podcast um, with only about a few hundred listeners each week. I mean, I'm certainly no Joe Rogan. So going forward, I'm just, I'm just not going to be worrying too much about the fact that my chair squeaks, the laundry in the background or the fact that I have to breathe. I'm here for the story, and I hope that you are too. Now, I do not want to give any spoilers about today's case. It was kind of a suggestion from a friend, a really good friend of mine, Leslie, and I think she's going to enjoy it, um, but I'm going to wait until after I tell it before I tell you why I picked this particular case and sort of what I had to say about it. This one takes place in France, so I definitely will be pronouncing a lot of words wrong again, uh, particularly places and names. And a lot of the news articles were originally written in French, 
and then translated and, and not always very well into English. So sometimes some of the quotes, I don't know, they come off sounding a little bit strange, but they are quotes. I'm actually very excited about this case. It took me a very long time to research it and to write it, so I'm hoping that you enjoy it as much as I did reading about it. Um, I don't have any audio clips for you. It is just me telling the story, mispronouncing words all over the place. This is the death of Father Roger Mattasoli. On November 4th, 2019, the police show up at a small house that belonged to Father Roger Mattasoli in northern France in a place called Agnitz. Now, why the police were called to their residence that day, I don't know. Uh, Father Mattasoli was 91 years old, so it was likely that he had people checking on checking in on him very frequently. So whether it was the police who did the checking on this particular day, or maybe it was a neighbor or, you know, maybe a member of his parish, I don't know. What I do know is that Father Roger Mattasoli was found that day in his house. He was dead. And it was clear that it wasn't a natural death despite his very advanced age. He had injuries to his skull, face, and his abdomen, and it appeared that he had been tortured. And it's also clear that he died from asphyxiation, which might have something to do with the crucifix that had been rammed down his throat, cutting off his airway. So the police wonder right away, like, who could do such a heinous thing to a man of God. They don't know like if this is some kind of satanic cult they're dealing with. Maybe some madman broke in and attacked him and then discovered that it was the house of a priest and then he exacted some kind of weird ritualistic killing. But it it looks personal. Like nothing else in the house was really disturbed. It, there was no ransacking. And they also discovered that Father Mattisoli's car was missing from its normal parking place in the driveway. Now, it wasn't too hard to track down the car. It was parked at a gas station late that same evening, and driving it was a young 19-year-old man that who's known in the court documents only as Alexandre V. And Alexandre was completely delirious. And rather than arrest him and detain him for questioning, the police said, quote, a psychiatric examination effectively led to having to lift the police custody of the person in the night around 1 a.m. to proceed to his hospitalization under duress. So basically, it was necessary to take him to the psych ward to have him examined and to get him to calm down. He wasn't charged with murder, torture, and resisting arrest until December 26th. Alexandre, for his part, said that he had no memory of murdering Father Mattisoli, and he used his right to remain silent. So he's not going to be very helpful in the investigation. So they start looking into Alexandre's, both into the background of Alexandre and Father Mattisoli to try and find maybe there's a connection between the two of them. And that wasn't very hard to do. Alexandre was actually working for Mattisoli as a housekeeper, and Father Mattisoli had been the priest at Agnitz 
until his retirement in 2010. So he was really well known in the community and he had actually been the priest that had married Alexandre's parents, Stefan and Celine in 1994. So they clearly knew each other fairly well and the relationship had been very friendly. Uh, his father, it turned out, had actually had lunch with the priest and Alexandre would sometimes join them. And he, and he wasn't so much a housekeeper as like someone who did odd jobs for the priest just to help him out because he was quite elderly. So from Alexandre's mom, Celine, they learned that Alexandre had been a bright and very bubbly young man. He liked to laugh and have a lot of fun. But over the few weeks before the murder, he had appeared to be going under some kind of mental health crisis. And Alexandre's grandfather had committed suicide in 2012, and his father, Stefan, had also attempted suicide. So his mother, Celine, was actually quite worried about him lately. Uh, and a couple of weeks before all this happened, while they were eating dinner at home, he was very quiet and he just seemed to be picking at his food almost like suspiciously. And Celine had asked him, like, where's my Alexandre? The one who laughed, who always had something to say. And Alexandre had said with a very serious expression, this Alexandre, mum, he's dead. Celine said, quote, he was there, but he was no longer my child. Uh, he had also told her over the weeks before the murder that, quote, alcohol could do a lot of things. Alexandre's sort of downturn had started in September of 2008, so not much more than a year before he was going to be wind up being charged with murder. After high school, he had enrolled in university at Ames to study law. He always wanted to be a lawyer, but money was tight. So he had taken the odd jobs with Father Matasoli to help him pay his rent and you know, odd expenses. And Celine said that he was quite happy to go work for the priest. Um, Alexandre always referred to him as the abbot. He had actually taught him how to drive and promised him that he would get his car when he died. But Alexandre failed his partials in the first year, so he ended up leaving school and returning to live with his mom in May of 2019. And he continued to work here and there for the abbot and had been to his house maybe five times between then and the murder, according to his mom. After his return to his mom's, his behavior started to decline very rapidly. He would speak to himself. He said that he was hearing voices and he would often bang his head against the walls. His stepfather, Eric, um, told a story, quote, One day I heard two big booms in the basement. When I go down, I come across him. I asked him what happened. He tells me nothing. A few minutes before, though, Eric had just seen him talking to his hands. So on October 15th, 2019, uh, Celine and Eric decide it is time he needs to see a psychiatrist. But uh, Alexandre completely refused that. He said he wasn't going to do it. So Celine unfortunately had to make the choice and said that he just could no longer stay at the home because she was quite wor probably worried about safety. So he returned to live with his father in Buvets, uh, and the situation started to get worse. On the Friday, November 1st in the evening, so this was the Friday before the Monday discovery of Father Matasoli's body, uh, on that Friday evening, he was just talking incoherently and he actually like hit his father in front of some friends that had been invited over for dinner and then he fled the house. So the next morning, Stefan received a phone call from the police station that Alexandre had been arrested at a McDonald's. 
a very unshaven and brooding looking Alexander had been seen in the restaurant before. And one worker had remarked, quote, he had already come during the week. He did not seem psychologically very stable. Now, when Alexandra, Alexandre let, lit a cigarette inside the building, he was asked to go smoke outside. And according to the restaurant worker, he was verbally threatening to me and made me understand that we could go fight outside. So the police had come and gotten him, and, and there was no further incident. Um, but the police did note that he's lost. He's a very, very fragile youngster. Are you an introvert like me? Hate going outside your house and having to put on pants? Or dealing with the stress of the conveyor belt at the big, scary supermarket? I myself had a pickle jar incident in 2017, of which I am still scarred. With Instacart, you can shop online in your pajamas or even naked if you want to. Browsing from over 500 million products in 5,500 cities in the U.S. and Canada. Besides groceries, you can get beauty and office products delivered right to your door in as fast as one hour. Nobody needs to blame you anymore for not having 115 popsicle sticks and glitter glue on hand for craft day tomorrow in your son's grade 2 class. Your shopper will handpick the best stuff and not the squishy tomatoes, and even keep your eggs and bread safe. You can even order from Costco or Sam's Club without your own pesky membership. Just click in the link in the show notes and sign up and get free delivery on your first order of over $35. You're welcome. So when Stefan comes to get him at the police station, the police say to him, like, they're kind of worried about him, that he's either, you know, maybe a danger to himself or to others, but they can't hold him and they don't press any charges. But once they get out the doors of the police station, Alexandre takes off on foot, like, just fled from his dad. So Stefan was distraught. He didn't, he just didn't know what to do. So all he really could do was go home and, and kind of wait to see if he came back. And he did return later that like sort of late afternoon, he knocked on the door and Stefan was feeling a little reluctant. Something about that just didn't feel right to open the door to him, but he did. And then immediately underwent another barrage of punches from him to the point that he actually bloodied his dad's face. And with that, he left again. Turned out it would be the last time that he would see his son before he was charged with the priest's murder. Between that night and the Monday of the murder, so so the murder happened, they think, around noon that day. Witnesses say that they saw him coming and going from the cellar of of his father's house, but Stefan didn't know he was there. I don't know how accurate those reports are, but that's what some of the witnesses said. At some point on that Monday, he made his way to Father Mattisoli's house, which was 25 kilometers away, but they don't really know how he got there. Now, his lawyer said of him, quote, We can clearly see that he is a kid. He has a beard, hair, but also acne pimples. Suffering from delusional puffs at the time of the events, he was declared inaccessible to the criminal sanction for six weeks. I hear the the term delusional puffs, I hear that quite a bit in a lot of these documents. I think it's a bad translation um, to English, but I'm assuming it just means that he's just prone to like maybe psychotic episodes or uh, hallucinations, that kind of thing. 
Father Mattisoli had been born in a small, very unassuming home in Creel and had been ordained in 1956 at the Diocese of Clermont, which is where he served as the parish priest there until 1967. And then he came to the St. Andre's Faravillers to the Diocese of Bivays, where he stayed in his official post as the priest there until his retirement in 2009. But he remained on the church's payroll until 2018. The church actually served a small uh, rural, very close-knit community, but it was sort of like a series of a few little small communities, a flock that Father Mattisoli had shepherded over for 42 years. The church itself was in the hamlet of Hedoncourt, which was just like a little red brick church. The people of the community that knew Father Mattisoli all said that, quote, all the women and the girls of the time who came to Mass were under his spell. He had humor, lightness, liked to surround himself with young people. I believe that all of the women and girls of the time who came to Mass and to the choir were in love with him, at least were under his charm. When he said Mass, we didn't arrive late. He said Mass every morning at the chapel of the Presbytery. Some women came dressed and made up, certainly more for the priest than for the sermon. There was no question of being late for Mass, but if exceptionally it happened, Father Mattisoli was intractable. He did not hesitate to stop in the middle of a sermon to look at his watch ostensibly. It was the moral authority of the corner. Warm and authoritarian at the same time, Father Mattisoli was often called upon for advice and to sort of counsel his parishioners, so he was very well respected in the community. Back at Celine's house, she continues telling the officer about the weeks leading up to the murder and Alexandre's mental state at that time. She says something that kind of piques their interest. When talking about taking the job at Father Mattisoli's house, she added that, but as he goes along, he doesn't seem to have wanted to see him anymore. Once he had turned off his phone for a week. When he turned it back on, he showed me. He had dozens of calls from the abbot. One evening he came back, and in his eyes, it looked like something terrible had happened. She says she asked him, would you tell me if something had happened with him? And Alexandre had answered yes, and not to worry. When I saw him at the hospital, he was so fragile. The worst thing is to imagine what he did, and to see him there like a leaf, a gale, and it falls. He was holding my hand, didn't want us to leave. It hurts. It's also very complicated for his brothers and sister. We know he was not well, but from there to do that, maybe we should have pushed him more to confide in us, let him tell us what he was going through. So from the time that Father Mattisoli had arrived at St. Andre Faravillers in 1967, there had been rumors in the town about the clergyman's new assignment there. A woman named Odalie, who was the sister of a man named Jacques, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, said, quote, there was whispering secrets that would have been the source of his new assignment. It could sound like a demotion. Claremont, where he came from being a sub-prefecture, while St. Andre Faravillers was only a village. The holy man, as it turns out, had some dark secrets. Stefan, Alexandre's father, had been an altar boy at the church from the time he was about seven until 14. He says, at the time, the church was all-powerful. He had been the victim of Father Mattisoli and his lust for young boys. 
But he had chosen to forgive him as an adult, saying, quote, By forgiving, I thought I was stronger than him. I told myself that he had little time left to live, that he would be judged by God, that he would report on his actions. His forgiveness of Father Mattisoli would turn out to be something that he really regrets and has left him riddled with guilt since. After his murder, a man who wants to remain anonymous said, quote, me, it happened to me sometimes that he had wandering hands, but that did not shock me because we knew it. Between us, it was the subject of jokes, but those who were touched by the priest did not say it. They would have been mocked. I do not criticize. I did not say anything either, but I would not have believed that it went to rape. And many parents say, as long as he didn't touch the girls, the boys were stronger. They were going to recover. What he did was monstrous, but I can't hate him. He was so great. Now, forgiveness or not, strong or not, the effects of the abuse at the hands of Father Mattisoli would last an entire lifetime. The hold that the priest had over Stefan was extremely strong. He had tried to cut off contact with him in 2000 after he told his wife, uh, Celine, about the abuse. And in 2011, he actually finally revealed to his father, Alexandri's grandfather, what he had been through. And his father took the news a lot harder than anyone could have expected. And he actually committed suicide in December of that year out of guilt that he had left Stefan in the hands of this abusive priest. So Stefan would then take his turn and attempt to die by suicide as well. He was feeling very isolated and dealing with other family members that were kind of in denial about what what was going on. And while he was in the hospital, he actually received visits from only one person. And that one person was Father Mattisoli. So in 2014, after he had divorced Celine, Alexandre was about 14 at that time and he moved in with his father. And so it was then that Stefan had started taking Alexandre to the lunch, sometimes to the home of Father Mattisoli. Stefan says very sadly, but I never left my son alone with him. I had told him he was a pedophile. He also said that he sometimes would take his older brother, Alexandre's older brother with him for lunch, but quote, he stopped going because he was older and fed up. And one day had actually told him that this, the abbot had really only had these feelings for Alexandre. According to the, to his brother, Fatima, Father Mattisoli had a photo of Alexandre on the sideboard of his dining room. And Stefan then said, quote, I should never have seen this man again. This man has shattered a whole family. When word got out about Father Mattisoli's death, two sisters, Odeline and Colette, came to see the prosecutor in that case. They had a story to tell that involved their brother Jacques and a now-retired police inspector named Daniel Nouveau. Odelie would later say, several indications led me to believe that the abbot was protected. I'm aware that this can make me seem paranoid, but it is my feeling in good faith. Back in 1984, Nouveau had been in charge of an investigation against Father Mattisoli. And so bitter had he been over that investigation and how it went down that he, that when he learned of the priest's death, he actually saved a clipping from the newspaper and put it in his dining room buffet cabinet. In Nouveau's word about the investigation, he, he says, quote, I was summoned one day to the Bouvet's prosecutor's office. 
he asked me to investigate Priest Mattisoli. He entrusts me with this investigation with, let's say, rather cryptic words, namely, discretion, discretion, discretion. Discreet preliminary investigation. This means that there's no police custody, no search, no summons, since to remain discreet, you must especially not summon people, especially if the person in question arrives in a cassock. I had to Google what that is because I'm not Catholic myself, but that's the long robes that the priests wear is what a cassock is. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans, a show about interesting and quirky human behavior. We bring humor, empathy, and warmth to topics such as relationships, dating, work, self-compassion, weddings, phobias, aging parents, travel mishaps, death, and many more. Ever wonder what happens at a cuddle party? We talk about it. Free-range kids in restaurants? We've got some thoughts. Bedtime stories for adults? We're on it. Light, fun, unscripted conversation and personal stories. Please join us by clicking the link in the show notes. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Danielle said that he met the sisters and Jacques back in 1984, which he recalls as a very, very disturbed family. But um, what I think he means by that is that they had... They were suffering quite a bit and they were quite distraught uh, and very upset by what had happened, not the way we kind of think of being disturbed, like emotionally disturbed. Because he also felt that Jacques was very credible at the time, um, but there was a statute of limitations on sexual assault. But the statute of limitations was 10 years for rape. And according to Jacques, what happened to him was classified as rape. But Danielle was never able to get Father Mattisoli in a room for in-person questioning, so he had to do it through a series of letters back and forth. And in Nouveau's words, he told me very succinctly that if he if he had committed acts that had that the alleged victim would not have understood, it was not for the purpose of hurting him. There had probably been a misunderstanding, but that, in any case, only God was able to judge. It was kind of a rejection of the intervention of human justice. Now, so Nouveau had actually gone into the village kind of pretending to be a potential future parishioner at the church to try to get information, but he never learned anything further from any other victims at the time. He says, quote, This is also the problem with these cases. All of the priest victims are generally very religious people. That is to say that it does not disgust them of religion. Um, he says, on the contrary, we even have the impression that they are even more attra- attached to it. It becomes difficult for them to be with whistleblowers since they still participate in the life of the diocese, and it seems complicated for them to go beyond a certain limit. So Danielle just wrote up his file and sent it to his higher-ups, who then forwarded his report on to the prosecutor, and it was quickly dismissed. And the file itself, which of course is now very old, can no longer be tracked down. According to Inspector Nouveau, the matter should have been prosecuted at the time. Quote, he would have deserved it, I think, because he had 
he still had quite extraordinary power over the town, over his diocese, where he was beyond reproach, end quote. So what Jacques Collette and Odalie told Inspector Niveau was actually a very chilling and skin-crawling tale of betrayal and lewdness that should just never have been hidden secrecy. So one day in 1984, Colette came across a photo that had been discarded in a landfill, and it was a photo of Father Mattisoli naked with his foot up, propped up on a chair. So their parents went to see Father Mattisoli, but he, his reaction was that it was a joke. It had been taken when he was 18 in the army. But Colette didn't buy that story because Father Mattisoli looked a lot older than 18, and it wasn't a really old photograph. So Mattisoli would have been about 55 in that year, and he didn't look much younger than that in the photo. So very curious about that, she asked her brothers, including Jacques, about Mattisoli. Quote, they told me they took showers with the abbot after playing in the presbytery, and that with Jacques it went further. He also took a lot of shots of Jacques and probably other kids, sometimes posing by his side using a camera with a self-timer. The question of what he could do with it, if it is, he traded it in, end quote. So, though the abuse continued for Jacques from the time he was six until he was about 14, he said nothing about it at all. Colette says, in all Catholic families, including mine, it was obvious that he would have not been believed, especially since my parents went to see Mattisoli for advice on education. My brothers went to the Jura because he was with Mattisoli. My parents would not have trusted anyone other than him. My brother didn't want to go, but he didn't say why. My parents sent him there thinking it was a chance for him. They told Jacques to be helpful and to go to the priest's house to mow the lawn. It was a time when we were silent. We especially didn't want to put the village on our backs. So after suffering years in silence, Jacques opened up to his sisters and told them that the priest would watch him when he was in the shower, take photos of him, and that the father had, had would pose him in these photographs. Odeline said, quote, Jacques told me that the abbot took him on his knees at the table in front of my parents and passed his hand discreetly in his shorts. It was the next day that they went to see the inspector Daniel Naveau, and they didn't want to call him because they were actually afraid that the abbot was somehow being protected and that these calls were going to be intercepted, so they actually went in person. So when that investigation went dead, Jacques started to emotionally withdraw, and in 1986, his father actually took him to Mattisoli's house and demanded that the priest acknowledge what he had done to him, at the least to do that. Um, but he completely denied it. And he, he then later sent a letter to his father in that February saying, quote, it happened fortuitously in Colo that the monitors showered and changed without making any mystery in the presence of children. If I have ever done harm, I have also happened to do good. God will take that into account. So Jacques' mother, who actually never returned to church after that day, wrote him back demanding again to hear the truth. And Mattisoli's response at that time was to say, quote, If that can bring peace to Jacques and to all, I recognize my wrongs and ask forgiveness. I have already done so. I never intended to swear on the gospel to deny my responsibility, but only for the colo. If it can bring peace to Jacques, I beg your pardon. Let's stop there, please. I pray for all of you. Thank you for praying for me. End quote. So three years later, in the summer of 1989, Jacques went missing suddenly. His, and then his body was 
finally found in the morgue where it had been a John Doe waiting to be claimed for about two months. Uh, his body had actually washed up on the shores of the Sien, and they believed that he had actually driven his bicycle directly into the water and drowned. Colette said, quote, he was in a delusional state. We will never know if he committed suicide. So the Diocese of Oise had been told of the allegations against Mattisoli, and the current bishop there has said, quote, It is regrettable that certain things were not taken at their fair value. So during that 1984 complaint, the diocese has actually undergone a bit of a transition. So Archbishop Jacques Julien had left office that May, and his successor, who's Adolf Marie Hardy arrived in 1985 and both have since died. In 1990, a hunter had been out with his dog and he ran into Father Mattisoli. So his dog had run out into the road and Father Mattisoli had been driving and stopped for the dog. And the hunter saw at that time that he had one hand on the steering wheel and the other in a boy's underpants. He said that he reported it at that time to the mayor, but the mayor advised him to be quiet about it. So another chance to punish Mattisoli came in 1999 with some more accusations. And so this time it was a man named Jean-Paul that had claimed that he had been assaulted by Mattisoli when he was nine during a scout camp back in 1962. And his response from the diocese was another letter that stated, quote, I inquired about the facts that you revealed to me. Unfortunately, as was to be feared, it is not possible to obtain confirmation of it in view of the time which has elapsed. In any case, on behalf of the Catholic Church, I could only express regret if one of its members has caused you harm, end quote. Now, a former vicar general who's now 75 years old, he's the chaplain at a penitentiary now, said that he went to see Father Mattisoli. He says, I was surprised. He had the reputation of being appreciated in his parish. He looked completely devastated by this accusation. I asked him not to be talked about anymore. I only had this letter in hand. There is no secret network or plot behind it. When such a case happened, I called the, the Bouvet's prosecutor. She told me not to investigate and to let the justice act. But there the facts were prescribed. After the fact and from afar, it's easy to say that we should have done otherwise. The Archbishop Amitris of Montpellier said, quote, I met Father Mattisoli and I broached this subject frankly with him. He did not deny the facts. I told him strongly that his act was unacceptable, unthinkable, and that he should never do it again. At the time, there was no procedure, no protocol, and no listening cell. I was really sure that I had fulfilled my mission fully. In 2015, Bishop Jacques Benoit Gonin told Father Mattisoli to write to the victim from 1962. So that's the John Paul. And he did so staying, quote, I come to tell you my dismay at the facts that you blame me for. I do not deny them, but I no longer have the full memory of them. I have never had bad attitudes with other boys. Forgive me, John Paul. Pray for me anyways. I would like to leave in peace, end quote. So finally, in 2018, another victim came forward who remains anonymous, and he complained about being abused from him between 1976 and 1980. The bishop of that time took that information from Jean-Paul, and he Jean-Paul decided he was going to take legal action. So faced with the two complaints back-to-back, uh, Jacques Bonoy-Gonin what he did is he he ripped the Father Mattisoli 
in 2018 of any any ministry. So finally took him off the payroll and then warned the Vatican about him. So an investigation was opened at that time. So five victims were heard from and the bishop was actually sending to was preparing to send his final you know, report on the investigation to Rome when Father Mattisoli was killed. So at that time, the risk, the risk for Father Mattisoli was a dismissal of the clerical state, which is the most serious measure that the church, the church can take. Um, but again, he's 91 years old and he hadn't been acting as a priest since 2010. He'd just been on the payroll still. Um, so really wasn't really facing much other than open exposure to his community of who he really was. Father Mattisoli's death essentially closed any investigation and, of course, all the complaints against him for the courts. In the end, Father Mattisoli had actually been questioned face-to-face by three senior representatives of the diocese, two bishops, and the vicar general. So after his death, Bishop Benoit Gonin of the Diocese of Bevues released a statement saying, quote, I want to make the following points. Father Mattisoli has not had any parish office since 2009. Having heard a victim, I took measures against Father Mattisoli, removing him from the public exercise of ministry. After the filing of a civil complaint from a new victim, a procedure was initiated that allowed the known victims to be heard. Father Mattisoli was then banned from any ministry, even private. Today and again, I think first of the victims of Father Mattisoli. For several decades, there have borne the weight and suffering of the acts by which they have been victims. By asking them forgiveness, I assure them of my availability and my prayers. I also entrust them to your prayers. In accordance with the ethics and discipline of the Church, in accordance with the instructions of Pope Francis, and repeating the position he has already expressed, I express my firm condemnation of any sexual abuse, especially when it is committed by a priest. I renew my invitation to all abuse victims to make themselves known. I repeat here my availability and that of the diocese to collaborate with justice. The fact that Mattisoli had remained on the church's payroll until 2018 was all chalked up to an basically an administrative error. Colette muses that parents were seduced by Mattisoli. He knew how to choose boys who would not speak, whose parents were the oldest and the most severe. The boys spent their Thursdays there. The girls are jealous of not being admitted. Without suspecting that the priest shares showers with their brothers and engages in touching. The priest's mother came to my parents' house to buy eggs or chickens, and each time it happened right away. I have the impression, after the fact, that this woman was trying to warn my mother. There were still eight boys with us, and she never had the opportunity to speak with her without his presence because he always arrived immediately. He was well regarded by everyone, both my parents and the big landowners. He ate at their house. We thought that all the people would not believe us. Besides, touching, I had heard of it. It was said that he he attracted kids to the presbytery with his electric train, but I had taken that for gossip. My mother used to tell me to pay attention to the parish priest when I went to catechism. Jacques had opened up to one of his comrades. He laughed in his face. I do not blame him. The kid may not have believed it. Those who mocked were perhaps victims too, but did not say it so as not to be laughed at in their turn. End quote. 
So now going back to Alexandre V, the prosecutor said shortly after his arrest and these accusations were learned, quote, We now know that the suspect's father was a victim of the priest. We also know that this papa had tried to protect his children, and then after the divorce, he fell back into the clutches of Matasoli. Alexandre mentioned facts that were likely to disturb him deeply. There was talk of Alexandre cleaning the house naked for the priest. End quote. So a hearing was actually held in July of 2015 and Alexandre V who has now has long hair that he ties back in a ponytail he appears very frail he um he told his story from a detainee's box in the chamber of the Ames Court of Appeal uh he speaks in French so it's all been translated where he speaks of hands to buttocks naked household cleaning that he had to do in front of this old priest who stared at his sex uh, and then a video that he made him watch we saw boys there in the presence of Mattisoli jumping into the pool in their shorts when they came out of the water they were naked he recalls seeing an animal at the foot of his bed for several years between the ages of three and four without knowing if they were nightmares or if they were hallucinations and then in September of 2019 with no real explanation, his mental state started to really deteriorate at that time. And at that time, he thought that Matasoli was actually controlling him um, remotely with a remote control. So on the weekend in November, after he left his dad's house, after that fight he had with him, he says that he considered hiding in the woods or going to Paris, but that had somehow found himself at Matasoli's house. So he knocked on the door, and when um, Father Mattisoli opened the door, Alexandre asked him, why do I hear your voice in my head? So Mattisoli, probably sensing that he was, Alexandre was a little bit off, had tried to shut the door in his face, and he says, quote, I pulled him and I started hitting him. And then he said everything went black after that until his arrest. Now, apparently at the time of his arrest, he believed he was under a delusion and believed that he was half man, half wolf, and also a DGSE agent. After hearing that testimony and from the testimony from the doctors that had examined him at the time of his arrest and then had been treating him since his arrest, the investigative chamber of the Ames Court of Appeal declared that Alexandre was criminally irresponsible for his actions and he was transferred from the penitentiary psychiatric unit to an actual proper mental health facility. His lawyer, Katie Richards, said she, quote, welcomes the end of a legal process which will allow Alexandre and his family to devote themselves to his care, end quote. Following his election in 2013, Pope Francis has committed to action on sex abuse within the church. A Vatican committee had been, has been set up to fight sexual abuse and help victims, and Vatican officials were questioned in January of 2013 before a UN panel in Geneva, but they refused to give any specific data on any specific abuse cases. Under Vatican official rules, bishops are to report suspected cases of abuse to local police. And that was the death of Father Roger Mattisoli. So why did I pick this particular case? Well, my friend Leslie, she... She's not a huge true crime person, but she does listen to a, a few a few of the episodes. And she said, she said, try to do one or find one where the person kind of deserved it. Now, normally, I 
I personally don't believe that anyone deserves to be murdered. One, because I think that there are just people in this world that really deserve to suffer. And death is actually, in my opinion, an end to suffering. I mean, at least it's the end to suffering for that person, but it's just the beginning of the suffering for family and friends. So that's kind of why I don't really believe in that. However, I've been watching that show Mr. Mercedes this year on Prime. It's actually, it's not a new show, but we just happen to be watching it this year. And I, from watching that show, I realized that there's this thing that's like, it's murder for the good of humanity. Like the death of a serial killer puts the end to any more victims from that particular killer. And in this case, you can say that Alexandre put an end to any more victims from Father Mattisoli. I mean, Father Mattisoli was 91. He was likely going to die and stop soon on his own, but who knows how many other boys might have fallen victim to his gnarled, gropey hands before he died of natural causes. So in the end, I think this kind of has a fair ending. Alexandre can finally get some support um, and help for his issues that were caused by Father Mattisoli, and the good priest now has to answer to his own higher power. I hope that you will join me again for another thought-provoking case next week. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.